Hey, hey, hey. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome back to Laird Butter uh, with a, uh, an emergency pod, I guess. I mean, we're not officially back, but um, uh, we are back, I guess, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, here I am. This is Raf Cordero, and I'm here with my uh, partner in crime. Rodrigo Cockting. And we are the, um, the host for the Layered Butter podcast. So if you guys are brand new to Layered Butter, welcome. And for those returning listeners, welcome back. It's nice to have you back here at the movies. And um, we wanted to take some time before we uh, come back all together with a, with a new season um, to discuss TIFF. Because Layered Butter was just at TIFF. For those who don't know, it's a Toronto International Film Festival. It is a film festival for the fans, I would say. So um, it's the self-proclaimed closest uh, festival you can get to the stars and is very very interactive based here in toronto canada where laird butter is um a home to so um uh we had an opportunity to swing by and uh see a ton of movies and kind of give you our take on i guess the upcoming oscar season and the festival season because we're in full swing don't you think it's happening yeah i think uh Festivals are kind of like the kickoff of it all. And then, you know, they start hitting some some mainstream theaters towards the end of the year. And then before you know it, it's time for the Oscars. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's I, I want to call it it's like the best, the best of times, but also it was the best of times. Of the worst it was the worst of times. The worst, the worst. <laughs> this yeah. Cliche of cliches. Oh, just throw me off a bridge. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, um, we, we said it before in one of our previous episodes where we had Omar Siddiqui. Um, uh, on the podcast, and we were super stoked to talk to him about TIFF because it was such an event, or it is such an event here in Toronto, and um, for us, Lear Butter, and uh, some of our close friends, um, we treasure it um, mightily, and we um, we love going to it because it is an experience to go to the theaters, even buying tickets and all that kind of stuff. But um, we wanted to give you guys kind of a uh, in-depth look at our experience uh, attending this year's festival, and seeing a ton of the films that are going to make headlines and also uh, make an impact in the um, Oscar season. So I don't know, Rod. Um, any famous last words before we get to it? Yeah, no? I think maybe just contextually um, for people mm-hmm. who are perhaps in a different part of the world or have not had the opportunity to kind of participate in like a film festival uh, in the times of COVID, a lot of TIFF was digital for us. There yeah. were it was a it was a hybrid. There were in person screenings, and there were also a lot of uh, digital um, options. I guess for people that did not want to go into a theater, uh, there, when you went in in person, you have to you had to show proof of vaccination. Um, there was social distancing. You had to have mask on at all times. Uh, mm-hmm. First knock against TIFF is that I was not allowed to consume popcorn while watching a movie Ooh. a single time. So that was, that was hurtful. Uh, that was hurtful. <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, I guess for people who have not had that opportunity, that's kind of what it was like to to go to TIFF this year. Yeah, and you know what? I, I got to say, it was actually my first movie experience in a theater in maybe like a year and a half. The last movie I saw in theaters was The Invisible Man, and that was like February 2020. Um, and it was... Um, and my first movie back was Titan, which we'll get to. <laughs> so it was a shock to all my systems. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as Rod was saying, it is a um, hybrid festival. We got a lot of um, high profile premieres, but obviously no red carpet. Um, uh, there was limited press in terms of um, uh, the red carpet and also interviews with the, um, the guests, the directors, the stars and whatnot. And there wasn't really a buzz um, this year at the festival. 
like every year um, at TIFF where you would see massive lineups all around the Festival Street on John Street. Um, as John or Peter uh, King, 12 Disciples. Anyway, um, uh, so, you know, that was one thing that I took away from because lining up at TIFF at the multiple venues, there's always like around the corner um, uh, lineups. And, you know, I, I, I'm crazy enough to line up maybe like three hours in advance before your film. There was nothing like that this year. So mm-hmm. uh, we had the opportunity. And I guess it's kind of a good thing that there was reserved seating. So a lot of um, the films, you already knew where you were going to be. You don't necessarily have the greatest opportunity to pick a film that is, uh, sorry, pick a seat unless you are really scrambling for it Yeah. Um, for some of these films. But um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of buzz on the street. So that took away from the experience. But hey, we got to see movies again, which I'm really stoked about. Mm-hmm. So um Let's get to it. Let's take a look at some of the films we saw and what we're, you know, looking to uh, break into for the Oscar season. Yeah. Um, what was the first one? Who saw the first one? I think it was you and me. Yeah, yeah. we saw a hero, I think, like the morning of, I guess, the first uh, day. And I think also another thing that some people who may perhaps don't go to to, to festivals as often is that it's very front loaded. So the festival mm-hmm. lasts, yes. I want to say, about 10 days, maybe. Right. I think that's the length of it. Uh, the most exciting stuff is like towards the beginning. And every now and then there's like additional screenings, but it, it's very front loaded. So I would say. Uh, I don't know how we want to structure this conversation, but uh, the oh, best movies true. were kind of in the beginning. And then, you know, we kind of saw some extra stuff with the, like I said, the digital opportunities that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you yeah, and I so, saw a hero. That was a big one yeah, for you. Asgard right? for a hottie. This was huge for me. I'm like the biggest Asgard for a hottie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen um, almost all of his films, except some of his early stuff. But I think this was one of my priorities to see at the festival. Right. Um, uh, and I was, I was kind of blown away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when I first heard about it, and for those who don't know, Asghar Farhadi is an Iranian filmmaker who's won two Oscars. And I think he's the only international filmmaker who has two Oscars to his name for the same category, which is best international film. He won for a separation and the salesman. And, um, I think a hero is kind of culmination of a lot of his work, which is kind of family and cultural drama, um, featuring a small cast in, um, I think in this one, I think it was Tehran. I I don't really know top of my head, but a lot of the stories that um, Asghar Farhadi does, they bring out a family. And what I love is they bring out the the city and the culture, Mm -hmm. right? As the, one of the main characters in the film and a hero is nothing less than, you know, magical. I think it's uh, a phenomenal movie and it's super tense. And, um, uh, uh, what's it called? I was super stoked to have you see it with me. I know the, I think you've seen everybody knows that came out a couple years ago, his first Spanish film. Yes. Uh, and was that your first Asgar Farhadi film? Yeah. And then after that, I saw uh, a separation and the salesman. Uh, but the first one I saw was everybody knows, which actually was a recommendation that you did on the podcast. Duh. And that's why <laughs> I ended up seeing it. <laughs> Oh wait, really? Yeah, you, that was the first time you saw it ever since you, I brought it up. Yeah, you recommended it in one episode. Oh, wow, wow, super stoked. Yeah. So, uh, what was your take on it? Yeah, did I you think enjoy it, it? I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I think to me, one of the main standouts for that movie was the the young kid that played um, the the child that had some difficulty speaking. Uh, he kind of stole the role to me, but I do think, like you were saying, that 
the the city, the characters, they all kind of grow as you watch it. It it builds tension really well. Um, I don't know. I remember chatting with you after we saw this movie and it, like the sentiment is really like, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. Right. And that yeah, kind of just 100%. escalates as we're as we're watching the movie. I think it was a great way to open uh, Tiff for me because it did get me excited, not like about all aspects of a movie, right? I, I think just not not just the main narrative or not just the visuals, because there are some movies that you go to TIFF and it's like, okay, this is beautifully shot, but narratively nonsensical, right? And I think mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. some, the instinct may be like, yeah, this is like an art film or whatever. But to me, I, I think like I, I enjoy when those two worlds collide and, and provide a good balance because I don't like uh, a movie that is too simplistic in terms of its like direction or too out there in terms of its narrative, because then it kind of just loses me. So this one is great. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, obviously it's in a foreign language, so you're going to have to require to read some, some, some subtitles, but you know, the, the main actor, Amir uh, Jadidi as Rahim, I think he was, mm-hmm. he was brilliant and his son too, who I'm forgetting his name, but he was also, also great. I, I thought. Yeah, I, I think A Hero is probably one of my favorite films of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't know, it's, um, you know, I think it's a great display of empathy and the complex situations people are in when they're put in these really difficult challenges. In this case, Raheem um, has to pay a debt. And it's the way he goes out to solve that problem that causes a ripple effect to himself and yeah. his family and his son. And it is a, um, you know, like all of Asghar Farhadi's films are like page turners mm-hmm. and I really uh, liken them to books because they are like dramas, but they escalate like thrillers yeah. to a point where at the end of the movie, you kind of just have to sit there. And I find that all of his films has this moment of just peace where you've seen everything and it's done, but you just kind of have to breathe and then just let it linger yeah. with you. Right. And that, that's like the, the final shot in a movie, which was great. Yeah. And I think him, like as an Iranian film director and, and screenwriter, he's able to kind of inform this movie with, mm. and this family specifically with some, some interesting perspectives on, you know, like what money is and what yes. value it has and, you know, honor versus a, a need for freedom and all this kind of like, you know, what does it mean to be a person and like who has, so like the, he has all these notes that are very informed by the culture that I can assume he, he grew up in because I do think that while many of us would say that we all see some of this resonating in our own personal culture, it, it shifts a little bit from, from country to country, from, from culture to culture. And so I think you, you're, quickly able to dive and be immersed in this reality because he is so, so deft and so capable at, at directing this movie. And you know what? I, I don't want to, I, I know we're taking a lot of time here for Asghar Fahadi, mm-hmm. but I also want to say this film is very interesting on the, how they handle social media mm-hmm. and the way um, perspectives can be skewed yeah. about, let's say either fake news or something that you, uh, you know, in the rumor mill online. Mm-hmm. And I think by, um, Basing a lot of that uh, as part of the dynamic in this story uh, changes the way we, I think, appreciate um, how reality and movies come come together. And we see a lot of this reflective in real life. So, yeah, um, I think uh, this film is fantastic. And I think it's going to um, do some run in the Oscars. It's definitely going to be Iran's pick for um, foreign film, I hope, I think. Right. Um, and I think he's going to make another run at it. Maybe best original screenplay, best um, international feature, and maybe he can sneak in there for a director. Yeah. I don't know. 
I, I think we'll it, it's great. I don't think it's his best, but you know, Bruh. he it's a high Wait, stand. Wait, what's his best? A separation? Uh, I want to say that a separation and everybody knows we're both uh, up there for Superior? me. Superior? Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. All right. Let's move on. Um, I watched another film that day, I think on Thursday, the first day. I watched um, uh, Celine Sciamma's Petite Maman. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see it? I did Rodrigo? not. No. I mean, I, I watch it because I'm a big fan of, of uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which she did a couple of years ago that pre- premiered at TIFF as well. Mm-hmm. This is a more gentle film, and um, I'm going to bring this up later when we talk about another French film um, that we both watched. But I think this film is a very quiet, emotional piece compared to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. So for those who are fans of that film and the emotional weight that film carried and it's uh i guess uh passion and um strength in its visuals and narrative and also that ending um petite mom is very very quiet it's very subtle and there are times where i think um if you're expecting something really really heavy you're not going to get that so you might feel a little bit let down um but it's still a great film um it's um about um a a girl who part of a fantasy meets her mom at her same age. So like at eight years old right. and it's what happens if you're best friends with your mom in that kind of familial relationship with mom and child, mom, mother and daughter and nostalgia. So I think it was great. I, uh, it, it's not, maybe I was a bit let down because it's not portrait of a lady in fire, but um, it, I think it's going to be a, um, a great film. So check it out. Mm-hmm. Rod, how about you? What else do you see? Well, that uh, I, I, the second movie that I saw at TIFF was uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh my which god! Which is, I guess, a movie that has had some <laughs> level of infamy. Let's I want to say. This. Uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I guess um, I don't want to go too into too spoiler territory because again, sure. there's some certain amount of privilege that we've been able to see these movies ahead of. For sure. But for yeah. Dear Evan Hansen in particular, I think this movie is already out in theaters, right? So you mm. could go check it out if you wanted to. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess if you, if you're familiar with the plot line of the, the Broadway show, uh, I will be, I guess, vague enough that I won't spoil anything for people that are not, but acknowledging. So the plot of the, this show, as you and I know, it deals with, uh, I guess maybe the most generous interpretation of it would be a misunderstanding (laughs) that goes too far. And, I, I I don't think that no, that it works no. for me. I don't think that the Broadway show probably would have even worked for me because if you have to separate like the musical into the music and the story, the music seems good enough. I, I don't know that I was like as big a fan as I've seen other people be. There are a couple of standout songs, but the story like is just anyway. uh, is just <laughs> is is jarring. In a way, um, there was a lot of conversation about Ben Platt being uh, cast as Evan Hansen, a role that he started, originated. he originated yeah. on Broadway, and then he has gone on to do the movie. But like, feels like maybe ten years after he did it on, on stage, like it's undeniable <laughs> that there is an impact there with uh, Ben Platt being uh, late twenties. It looks like, I mean, to be honest, it looks Buddy, late forties. Yeah. Like. It looks early thirties <laughs> to be as kind oh, no. as you can, but I don't think he actually is early thirties. Uh, yeah. So that part, I just, it's, it, it's a big hill that you need to climb to be able to believe that this old man is capable of <laughs> You're <brutal>. the misunderstanding <laughs> in a human way that you can still forgive that misunderstanding at the end. 
and it just kind oh. of falls flat. Like Stephen Chbosky is a very talented director when it comes to uh, projects involving young people. Like I think something like he did Perks, yeah, yeah Perks, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which he wrote and then directed. I think he he is still capable of capturing a lot of that like young interaction. But again, it's like Ben Platt. I think is a hindrance to this movie because he is uh, in an attempt to maybe con- capture emotion. He's like really close to the actor's face, no. and no thanks. There's too much beard under too much makeup, <laughs> trying to cover too many wrinkles oh to be able to to say this is like a, a a young fresh teen. But you know what? Like I I seen I, I saw the movie too and. My problem outside of him being cast in the main role was that if you've seen clips of Dear Evan Hansen on stage and you've seen how Ben Platt um, carries himself is as yeah as Evan Hansen, I don't think it's appropriate for that transition and the way he acts on stage to what he is on film because mm-hmm. it's a little bit over the top on stage and we understand it because of the medium it's portrayed in. But when you watch it on film, where maybe it's a little bit more toned down and maybe a bit more nuanced. Some of the acting decisions he makes, like when he runs around or when he's feeling really, really anxious, mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't work. Yeah. And it pulls me out of that you know, world, even though I understand that it's a musical, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, but yeah, this movie did not work for me. And um, I think it was pretty bad, unfortunately. The music's fine. I, I, I didn't watch the original um, uh, musical, stage musical, but I heard they cut all, a lot of the... Uh, songs from the actual show, which is um, uh, kind of sad because for a two-hour film or two two hours and a half, whatever, it felt really long. They could have cut another half hour out of it, um, and I and I, I and I still ask for my money back. But so, I don't know. So, uh, in terms of recommending this to the audience, is this a thumbs no. up or a thumbs down? No, are you kidding me? It's a no thumbs. No thumbs. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, cutting, this is cutting your bad. thumbs would be less painful than watching this movie. Listen, for anyone listening, please take a look at uh, Rodrigo's Laird Butter Review. No, it, because it is amazing. And I will say one thing. Actually, I would recommend people watch this movie because I enjoyed oh. it as in. Come how on. not great it is like it was like i felt like i was in a fever dream i kept on like turning around to the people around me it's like are we all <laughs> are you experiencing are we all acknowledging too? what is happening on screen <laughs> so i had a blast watching this but this movie is not good um the sequence of you will be found you'll know when it hits you mm-hmm. because uh, it's a great song but there is one part that will throw you out the window yeah yeah when you get yeah. to that one artistic moment how did you feel about amy adams and julianne moore in 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 these roles dude this entire movie was just terrible (laughs) like maybe i'm just being really brutal but i did not care for any of them even my boy danny pino (laughs) which i'm kind of a fan of i no nothing oh caitlin dever caitlin dever i kind of like i guess the the girl the love interest yeah zoe i think okay um i think she she had a okay performance and she was kind of the only mm-hmm. uh, highlight of the film, um, but nothing else. They also, by the way, they added um, a Sia song in this, which is not in the musical. And I think it's an original for their attempt to get an Oscar. But I think this will go for Razzies. Is this the, is this the one that Amantla, Amanda Sand- Amanda Selberg? Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's exactly. I think it's called the anonymous, mm-hmm. anonymous one. Yeah, that was a, good, yeah, I think a so. good song. I would actually say that this is another thing that stood out to me that 
for the the need, the imperative need that we had to cast this ta- old ass tax pain man into this role, Ben Platt. All those best songs <laughs> were not sung by him. I thought like the 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 anonymous ones was good, and then the Requiem that they they sang. Oh the yeah, family, that that one was great. So I think those were better choice. I I just don't see the need of adding this man. No. Um, uh, this is like your Golden Globe movie that's going to be nominated 100%. for a musical and a this comedy. This is prom slash cats slash. Oh man, Thera this is the Henson. fifth slot there that's just hanging, yeah. hanging on for a nomination. But we both say, and I think it's fair for all layered butter, um, uh, the staff that it was not great. Not great. Yeah, <laughs> not good at all. Mm. Um, okay, what else did we see? I'm trying to think. Uh. Oh, I oh, I guess we both saw we both saw Mothering Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, this is Eva Husson who did um, uh, a film. I think it's called a uh, Bang. Oh, is it called Gang Bang or Bang Bang Gang? Gang? Mm-hmm. Bang, Gang. Yeah, uh, a couple years ago at TIFF. Um, this is actually, and this is terrible. Probably the film that I I absolutely hated the most mm-hmm. <laughs> out of everything I saw at TIFF, and it's kind of sad to say because i think i had some expectation like a sort of expectation there that um i'm not gonna hate it i'm not gonna love it but i just dreadfully despise it i think a lot of it came from it's a love story a period love story i understand but the problem with this period love story um was i think the structure and the editing and the pacing was just it was a real glacial pace Mm -hmm. in the sense that when you're trying to make me believe that this um, uh, help was going to fall in love with another family, um, families, uh, Josh O'Connor, is he a soldier? He's a soldier, wasn't he? No, he, right? I think he did not go to the war. He was like the remaining he son go to war. of right. another remaining family. Son. Right. And um, the way that love story unfolded and then it just stopped and then it had a different storyline at the end. It lost me tremendously to the point where I think I was just having a hard time staying awake. Yeah. And that's bad. I didn't dislike yeah. it as much as you. I thought it was like, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I do agree that, I mean, a lot of this movie, it's based on a book. And so this is like a tricky thing where it's like, how much do you do you veer from the original material so that you're still telling a story that fans of that book will will be able to enjoy. But I do think that the structure of it does it no favors. It is hard for you mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to understand to kind of the pain of, of the morning that kind of is, is haunting this entire film because all these families have been deeply affected by loss. The main character is deeply affected by loss. If you then kind of have to flash forward and show her in a different setting where she has already kind of rebuilt uh, her life and then in a different setting even later on. And I think like these flash forwards were... were not effective in 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 portraying additional context to the morning that the mm-hmm. character feels yeah. and at the same time taking away from like the main thing that would have been more attractive which is you know uh perhaps exploring a little bit more the relationship that she has with with Josh O'Connor or even allowing like Colin Firth or Olivia Coleman to do a little bit more like I do think whenever they were on screen, on screen their powerful the presence, presences oh, yeah. right and it's very interesting to me, like of the era, we don't often talk about uh, like we talk about all the people that 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 were lost during World War One or World War Two or whatever war. Right. But like often you don't come back and you see the people that are left with like the the emptiness. Right. Like the the absence of all of where, where all those people used to be. And so I think th- that part is good and it was effective for me. But 
like the every time it, it deviated from that or or the speed at which it kind of quickly abandoned that what was uh, a bit jarring and a little bit disappointing. So I would say overall, it also did not work for me, but I didn't I, no. I did not like detest it. Like I would definitely say that uh, there were some int- some moments that I would uh, say worked and but, you know, most of it kind of fell a little flat. So every scene with Olivia Coleman and and. Um- Colin Firth were the highlight. Is that what I you're mean, trying even, to say? Uh, this this actress, I believe, Odessa Young is Odessa Young and, and, and Joshua Connor were good. I think like it, it, it's kind of whenever we veered away from these this era, these main characters, where where it kind of fell flat, and even you know the, some of the more jarring or surprising moments in in that that timeline are logically kind of spoiled when you're seeing other characters in the future you know what i mean so yeah, it, it, yeah so, the structure so i think that does not also work for me i guess fair enough um uh so uh a, ne- a nay from me and rod is kind of like yeah a it's meh. okay i don't know a meh yeah um but you know the next film i want to talk about is something that we both watched uh that we thoroughly enjoyed and felt something rise within us mm-hmm. i guess um, Julia Drakenau's Titan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod, take it away first. I want to hear your take on this. Uh, first of all, I think that like film critics as a, we need to start calling this movie titanium, I think, because it's, <laughs> it, it, the word is like the French Titan, which is the French for titanium. And I think we're all kind of caught in this middle that we're like, are we calling it Titan? Titan? Titan. Right. So it's like, I think just like all Anglo critics, we just need to acknowledge that it's going to be called titanium. Anyways, this uh, this this powerhouse of a movie is it's a punch in your face repeatedly. It is like a thriller meets like an erotic moment meets yes. like oh my gosh. I don't know like a French art. It is it is like everything and nothing, and it is it, it is like exciting you know that's i guess like the, the yeah, word that that's I, the best way when you, you go into t- into tiff and you watch these movies and sometimes you're like it's kind of like the marvel movies where you know the structure you know like you know the beats you know that they're gonna go it's i haven't seen the movie belfast and we can talk about that later but i saw the trailer and i know that that movie will be nominated to an Oscar. And how is that possible? Yeah. Right? Like it's the same kind of thing, but you just know, you it. just know. And so for me, like Titan, it, it is like a powerhouse of a film that is nothing like you would ever expect. No way. And you can go ahead and go on Wikipedia and read the synopsis and you will still, but you, shouldn't. you will still not be prepared for what you are going what to you're see about to watch. with that movie. 100%. Um, I'm a fan uh, of this director. I'm going to check out the the other work that you were talking about when we finished seeing this movie. I have never been, uh, you know, uh, we we must acknowledge that in some of these screenings (laughs) that were, that had happened at TIFF, there was people fainting at, uh, at some of these scenes. Midnight Madness. Yeah. And yeah, I have never, I've never been uh, so uh, shocked and and, uh, I guess surprised and aroused at the same time as I did (laughs) watching this, this movie. But you know what? I have to put a little disclaimer here. Mm-hmm. For those who haven't seen Titan, uh, um, don't. I mean, I, I really want any everyone to see this movie blind. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want them. I mean, the trailer is hypnotic. It's fantastic. But I feel like the more you go into this not knowing anything about this film, it'll change your life. Yeah. And like, like for me, I've seen it. I've already seen Julia Drakenau's films prior, so I kind of had an idea what uh, we were expecting. But I went to see it with Andrew Prucho, one of our friends here at Laird Butter. 
And this man has never seen one, uh, a trailer, never seen a um, uh, Julia Drakenow film. And let me tell you, at 10.30 in the morning, this man was shook. So I, I feel like Titan is one of those experiences that if you're able to, please go see it in a movie theater, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like that immersion of this world, this sick love story, this um, uh, family love uh, uh, saga is just um, probably one of the best experiences I've seen in a movie theater in a while. And I think this film is going to stun a lot of people, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, in in a good way, in a good way. So I loved it. How about that soundtrack though? Yo, buddy, let's talk about Future Islands. Let's get, let's keep it pumping. Yeah. No, I mean, again, um, you know, I, I described it before as hypnotic, but it has this like adrenaline and this um, uh, beating heart behind this film that keeps moving. And it's not like super long. It's maybe like an hour and 40, mm-hmm. right? But it moves super fast. Every scene made sense. Every scene had a purpose and it built towards this, uh, well, that ending yeah <laughs> you know so you know uh, what it kind of reminded me of now that i think about it uh black swan and like it, this very wow. weird like erotic thriller fast-paced mm. thing that builds up to this like momentum where you're like what the fuck What's just happened happening? and at the same time that yeah. made perfect sense like that's kind of yeah. how i feel about like those two movies right um uh yeah it's like a hell of a movie i would say we, we don't question what happens in the movie. And I think that's the best part about it because we accept it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we don't question anything about it. We're like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. So yeah. Um, uh, you know, probably the best film I've seen at the festival in yeah. my opinion and, uh, go see it. I think, uh, I think it's best, uh, like my sentiments towards this film are best captured by that gif of Dean Pelton from community where he's looking at his screen saying, <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me because that is truly <laughs> how I felt watching that movie. I was watching a variety of characters that have a variety of different relationships wondering, Am I mm-hmm. into them being into each other or do I not want them to be into each other? And I feel like I never resolved these feelings. They're kind of, yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> both arguments seem convincing to me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Titan, Julia Dragonau, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably one of the big ones to watch for this Oscar season. Um, oh, I want to bring actually, up another wait, one. Before we move oh, on, so do me. you think it has some some good chances at Oscar season? Because to me, uh, I think it's an absolutely great movie. I think it's too outside it's, the norm to, to yeah, really I secure so. itself anywhere. Like, I think it would have a hard time uh, winning Best International Film unless... Or even getting nominated or making past the shortlist. Yeah, and oh, then no. the main awards, I don't... Like, I think it's an absolutely fantastic film. Like, if anything, it's a knock against the system, the award system to me, rather than a knock against the film. But I, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that it would get too much major hardware. Yeah, I mean, my my thing is, I'm looking at France's um, perspective, and to give some context with Titan, it won the Palme d'Or mm-hmm. at Cannes, yeah. right, which is a top prize. Um, so that already bolstered a lot of hype for behind um, Julie Drakenau and this film. I, I, as I mentioned before with Petite Maman, I think France will have a very very difficult decision to choose to nominate either Celine Sciamma's Petite Maman, which is a bit more quiet and a bit of a safe play to do um, for uh, uh, Best Foreign Film or Best International Feature, sorry. Uh, Julia Drakenau's Titan, which I think is going to be, as you said, very difficult to win over kind of maybe specific audiences because right. of the subject matter and the way it's presented. And there's another film that um, 
uh, one, I think the Silver Lion at Venice or something is called The Happening, right? Um, uh, and those are kind of three, three of the biggest films coming out from France. I don't know if it's going to win any, anything, Rod. I think I'm with you here. I think it might be very difficult. I would love to see France say, you know what, we're going to nominate Titan and Titan's going to be pushed towards the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's even going to make it that far, unfortunately. Right, yeah. right? But I think everyone should go see it if they get a chance, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Rod, let's talk about uh, Pablo Larraín. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Larraín. Oh, there you go. Um, I mean, in fairness, his, I don't think you said the French director's name well either, but we're moving oh, on. Oh, I say Drakenau. It's probably yeah, Drakenau. It's Drakenau, <laughs> I think. Oh, there you yeah. go. Well, I apologize for no worries. listening. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, pa- Pablo Larraín. 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 Um, Spencer. Guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, uh, I, I, I was floored. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I remember watching this film and being like, in space this entire time. And mind you, I was a big fan of Jackie. So that's probably why a lot of my sentiment and my heart says this film's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, living under a rock, Spencer is the Kristen Stewart, um, uh, portrayal of Diana, right? right? Princess die, um, during that infamous, uh, Christmas weekend that she spent with the Royals, um, up, up in the countryside. But yeah, I mean, this film, was remarkable for me. I think it was emotionally powerful. Kristen Stewart blew me away. I think her performance is graceful and very, um, uh, very powerful. I think there are moments where, and again, this could just be the staging too, where I see die, right? Princess die. And there are moments where, um, I feel like her soul resonate in, in, in some of the sequences, um, some of her small little monologues and even the moments of just pure silence. Um, I felt a lot of uh, pain and uh, especially if you know the story behind Diana and um, her, her time with the Royals. This was a very effective film. Uh, I, I think Kristen will get a nomination, hopefully, if she doesn't lose any steam. But the star of this, this movie is Johnny Greenwood, who's the composer and the um, um, a composer of many films, uh, especially with Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, uh, but his score here, and there's one specific sequence in here that made me just like, I don't know. It's like that moment in Titan, as you said, where it's like, this is arousing mm-hmm. and this is like, uh, so many you know, at the same time. Yeah. So many things happening, but yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. And I think this film has a pretty good chance at Oscar gold. I don't know if it's going to win a lot of the main crowd, Right, your um, I guess regular theater crowd uh, aside from the artsy guys, mm-hmm. but um, no, I loved it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way. I liked it a little less than you. We're like on the on the mothering Sunday uh, disagreement what? scale, right? Like, mm. no, I didn't dislike it, but I do think I agree with you that Kristen Stewart does a good job at c- capturing Diana, um, and Johnny Greenwood does an amazing job setting the mood for for the film. I think. Overall, the film feels a little empty to me. Like there, it's kind of in the same vein as Jack, as you were comparing it to. I think the issue with Jackie versus Diana is that Diana was in uh, a bad place. I guess kind of when no matter what, w- yeah, compared like to a bad Jackie, situation maybe. and. I think you're you're kind of like your sense from history and from 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 watching like a main character is you really want this character to to be 
you want to understand their position so you can kind of root for them. And I feel like there's a bit of an absence overall in terms of, of providing the context needed to, to see. Mm-hmm. I would say like, you know, if you did not know Princess Diana from the historical context, you would, she comes across fairly unlikable in most of this film until you reach the end. And I think it's like, you, you kind of see this oppressive force that the crown is around yeah. her. But it seems like it would be oppressive no matter who you are, right? So it does it's it says nothing specific or unique about Diana the character. And I think when you get towards the end, there is a bit of, of a payoff there and you start seeing some of these moments that she's known for, kind of her relationship with her children, her love of dancing. I love that by the way. Like yeah. all, all this kind of finally <laughs> starts appearing, but it's like a little bit too late for me to kind of make it like this magnificent, magnificent movie. Um I think Pablo Larraín is a man with a vision and it, it, he's in his right to tell this story. But I do think that it's like a little bit beautiful, Difficult. but empty oh. for me uh, to give it to, to, yeah, to give it like, you know, top of my list kind of thing. Right. I, if there was like a little bit more meat on those bones uh, of the movie, uh, I think that, that that's really where I would have been able to put it uh, over the top. Uh, Kristen Stewart's great, but also shout out to, to Sally Hawkins. Sally uh, Hawkins, yeah, I was going to bring also her up. amazing in Phenomenal. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Best supporting actress. I see her putting in a little work there. Yeah, I so. could see a nom for that. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, Spencer, pretty good. I mean, I really liked it. Rod's like, yeah. Uh, not you know I would just <laughs> say that it's like not a 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's of. like a, a seven, <laughs> between seven and eight out of 10. Like a seven and a half. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I saw Power of the Dog, which is Jane Campion's film. Rod, you haven't seen it, right? I have not right? seen it yet, no. No, you didn't get a chance. No worries. So I'll give you guys a brief rundown. Um, this is Jane Campion's return to the screen, I guess, um, and bringing back Johnny Greenwood, who's doing an amazing score. But it's about, um, and this film is all about Benedict Cumberbatch, um, who I'm not really the biggest fan of, mm-hmm. um, but I think he won me over with this role. And he's kind of this sadistic, crazy rancher whose brother, Jesse Plemons, brings um, um, a, a, a girl home, Kristen Dunst, who's his real-life wife, and her son uh, to live on the ranch. And there's this weird power dynamic between um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, Jesse Plemons, and even Kristen Dunst's son, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. And it's this weird, I guess... Um, depiction of masculinity and uh, I guess um, you know that vulnerability of a man in power and I think this this could be a great companion piece to maybe Spencer mm-hmm. I think right I mean uh, aside from Johnny Greenwood um, but I feel like this has a great uh, portrayal of uh, a male at war with himself and what his truth is um, and the ripple effects it has of the people around him. So power of the dog, I think will be a pretty big player um, in the, uh, in the Oscar race, Jane Campion, right? She did an amazing job with this film. Um, Benedict is definitely going to get best actor nomination without a doubt. And maybe Cody Smith McPhee, who plays um, uh, Kristen Dunn's son, who has a really powerful performance here. So I think cinematography, some some text as well, but I enjoyed it. I think this will be a, a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be released on Netflix. It might be a little bit difficult for a lot of people to get into because it's very slow and meandering, but um, I think the payoff is there. So hope you guys check it out as well. Worth checking out. 
Yeah, I guess one movie that I can talk about that I saw is a Canadian mm. film called Scarborough. It's based on a a, yeah. uh, a novel by a Filipino like uh, yourself, a Filipino-Canadian rap, rap, called rap. Catherine Hernandez. And uh, she sets out to tell a story that is not often seen in, you know, I guess, general mainstream uh, cinema, and specifically in, in the Canadian media where we... Uh, maybe are improving recently, but in the past we have, have them have been very focused around uh, white stories. And she goes out of her <laughs> way to, to, to show that in the suburbs of big cities like Scarborough, uh, there is sort of like the, the, these communities existing often, you know, low income families that are kind of struggling to, to work in the system that's kind of uh, set up to make them fail. And it's told from the point of view of these three kids. From what I understand, I have not read the book. The the, the book is kind of written in a way to make you think that it's uh, children speaking or, or describing these events oh, or like language enough to make you think of children. And what they do in this movie to try to uh, counteract that is that they film it at a very low angle throughout the film. And so it's kind of like almost from the point of view from a child. Um, there are... Very, very poignant and real moments in this film that will make you very empathetic towards uh, all, all a variety kinds of issues that people are facing. Um, sometimes it does feel kind of like uh, push the novel by Sapphire. What is this movie called? Precious. Yeah. <laughs> push the novel by Sapphire. <laughs> yeah. Go on. It feels yes, feel a little bit like Precious, where it's like, is this uh, sad, hi- sad, height, sad, heightened? exaggerated caricatures Uh. of pain or is it that this pain is real and because of our privileged distance from it that we see it as Mm. like something that perhaps could be exaggerated and so sometimes with me like I just wondered is this uh bordering a little bit on like emotional porn kind of thing right but it, it felt good it worked for me I was actually very surprised I saw a variety of Canadian films I wanted to make sure that I saw as many as I could mm. And to me, the standout of all the Canadian films that I saw was this one. I think it ended up being like a runner up for the People's Choice. I think it was second or third, right? Which was awesome. And I think it was well-deserved. Like I said, it it is good. It is interesting. I I think sometimes you do have to set, like, I question, is it like, is my inability to see this as real because of my distance from a privileged position? Or is it the writer that is exaggerating it a little too much and taking us out of there? But other than those brief moments where you kind of feel that it's overall well-made, it's it's a powerful story from a point of view that is not often represented. Yeah, well said. Um, I didn't get a chance to uh, catch Scarborough, but uh, hopefully I'll see it in the near future. So uh, thanks for that reco, buddy. Um, We got to talk about the big one. Like the big one. And literally it's massive. The huge one. Right? Uh, the huge one. Let's talk about Denny Villeneuve's Dune. Dunk. This, or Dunk as per the, um, <laughs> the, the graphic design. The, yeah. Um, this film made its world premiere at uh, Venice just recently, but it landed here at in Toronto in the first world premiere for its IMAX presentation, mm-hmm. which... Rod, you and I, uh, Mark Weingast, and also Andrew Pacho had the, the whole um, layer of um, team. Right. We had a wonderful opportunity to experience this in glorious IMAX. And I think to put it short, it has to be seen on screen. Yeah. So Denny has been fighting this thing with HBO and Warner Brothers, being like, why is this being released on HBO Max on the same day? What the hell? Blah, blah, blah. But I think I'm going to side with him here because this film is made to be seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think a lot of his scope, like you would not be able to capture that, like on your phone if that's where you're watching movies, right? Like the way that Nolan, intended. yeah, the way as Nolan intended. Um, <laughs> it is, I think, you have to acknowledge, and even the the, the intro uh, shows this. To you, it is part one of yeah, presumably 100%. two parts. So if you're going in expecting a full resolved story, you are bound nope. to be disappointed. But if you are just going into it with an open mind and you will be, I think, in awe of how quickly uh, and how capably uh, Villeneuve is able to do some world building, some character development, some some establishment of relationships there. Uh, I happened to to read this shortly before going into theaters. Oh, yeah. Not the full book. I had not finished, but I had kind of gotten to the point of where, where the movie ends. So uh, roughly like nothing was spoiled for me. But I do think that in the book, I, 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 it's almost like I was struggling to push my way through of this jungle of moments um, that they kind of have to set up for the payoff of this movie. Maybe not so much the entire book. Like I'm sure there's more moments, but the big mm. payoff in this movie is uh, a catalyst of events to come that in the book takes forever to get. And in, in, in oh, wow. the movie, I think he's very quickly able to set up the pieces that need to be in play before he sends us into, you know, the roller coaster ride that is the the second and third act of this film. The big, I guess, set pieces. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like I enjoyed this film and I think the biggest thing I got from it, like uh Titan, is that it's ha- it should be an um experience in a theater because of its scope. Now my my only takeaway from this, and again I didn't read the book, is that it's massive and it's huge. The world building is the best part of this film, yeah. right? Um, there are moments though where, again, I, I have this problem with Leo DiCaprio where I watch Leo DiCaprio and all I see is Leo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet is very hollow for me, yeah. right? And I think he's not Lucas Hedges, <laughs> in my opinion. But I mean, like, there are moments where I feel like there are characters that I feel like I've just seen a rough frame of mm-hmm. and i i don't know them too well and i don't know if that's maybe just a disservice on the writing or disservice in the book maybe they are supposed to be this hollow but like josh brolin timothy chalamet some of these characters that i felt like are a bit one-dimensional mm-hmm. um like lady jessica rebecca ferguson i thought was super super interesting and my man um uh jason momoa in probably his most fun role i've ever seen him I like I felt like he was having so much fun and I enjoyed every time he was on the screen. So he was a scene sealer for me. Yeah. Um as Duncan Idaho, mm. right? Which was um great. But yeah, I mean, um uh I've seen all of Venom's films at TIFF except like Polytechnique and stuff, but I, I wasn't gonna miss this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I-, I couldn't miss it. I think this was huge and um I think uh, hopefully it gets part two. I don't know. Do you think it might too be too hard for people to uh ac- access this? In terms of like the world, what's your take on it without putting spoilers out there? I would say that the book is a lot more inaccessible than the movie. I think the movie is very uh, capable and able to bring you into the whole world. Like, I mean, maybe there are some things like the Bene Gesserit, which yeah, is this kind Gesserit. of religion that is uh, part of the, the fiction here that might be a bit of a jump at the beginning. But I think pretty quickly you figure out that sure. you know they, they have a little bit of of power and in, in their precognition and, and the voice that they're able to use and so on. I think, like you said, Rebecca Ferguson to me is the, the main standout of this film. I absolutely loved her as Jessica. Um, I didn't mind Timothy Chalamet, but I do agree that 
there wasn't any particular standout of it. I, I'm excited as this this movie heads into its part two, and it will begin relying on some of yeah. its other other characters. Uh, yeah, and so Zendaya and, and um, oh my god, who was the guy? Uh, Javier Bardem. Javier, which you didn't I, even I, know. I did not know. Like, like, he showed up in this movie and with his Javier Bardem accent, and I was like, what the <laughs> heck? Because I did not know he was going to be in this. That was a surprise for me. I was. It's like a Matt Damon. Moment I was mentally prepared to to deal with Oscar Isaac. I did not expect to have to see Oscar Isaac and Javier Bardem, two of my faves, in the same, on movie. The, in the same movie and in, on the same scene sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's safe to say we all loved it. And please, if you guys get a chance, see Dune on the big screen yeah. in IMAX the way it should be. One hundred percent. You know, experience. Yeah. Right. Um. What else? We, we've seen more. Oh, you guys went ahead and saw Last Night in Soho. Yes, we did. Uh, the Tell us more about Edgar Wright's new time-traveling, Suspiria-ish film. I don't know. Yeah, I would say if you have not seen the trailer for this movie... Um, Uh-oh, did I spoil stuff? Don't watch it, because oh, God. it is of a certain genre that has certain tropes that can either be dealt with one way, either embracing the the norm or going against it, right? And so those are really your only two choices. Say something like Knives Out, when you're watching this movie and you're like, well, it's looking like it's going to be Chris Evans. So it either has <laughs> it either has to be Chris Evans or it has to not be Chris Evans, right? Like they have to make a choice over the, whether their, their twist is going to be that there's no twist or that their twist is going to be a twist. And so I think this movie right. kind of is similar in that way. So it's like, if you can go in with no expectations and just go along for the journey, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. I don't think it has um, too much to add in terms of innovation or, or, or brand new Damn. fresh uh, like takes of to the genre, but within the structures and the rules and the parameters of the genre that it is dealing, it's like a beautifully made movie the music is fantastic. I think Anya Taylor Joy is a scene stealer. I kind of feel bad a little bit for is it Thomason 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 McKenzie, McKenzie? who is yeah. great, just not as great I think as Anya Taylor Joy. There are some Bruh. some other fun actors in the film that I don't want to talk too much about because uh, you know like so you can enjoy it. But between the movie and the fashion, and I I will say this too, like another uh, compliment to to this movie is that it is like. The first movie in a long time that has given me any desire to go to London and have a fun time. Like often, hey, props to the production designer yeah, then, right? Often London feels like a little bit of a, a, a gray, rainy, <laughs> rainy drab mess. Yeah. And like this one, uh, it makes it seem fun. Like if I was a, a young person about to start university, I think I would consider going to London. Wow. Look at that glowing review. Yeah. Ish. I mean, here's my thing about Edgar Wright. I mean, uh, I, I, I find that he tries to transcend boundaries mm -hmm. with the way he does his films like Baby Driver and obviously Scott Pilgrim versus the world, right? And the Cornetto trilogy that he did with like World's End and uh, Hot Fuzz and whatnot, right? Um, do you feel like this was a successful genre outing for him? I think, in, I think in, in many ways that he, he tried a lot less to go outside these boundaries. Like oh, I think this is a very... Safe. So it's like his artistic view of... And I'm not saying like it moved, but rather like his love of music, his love of, of framing things a certain way of certain. That's still all there. I just don't think that it's aiming out to be some like groundbreaking revolutionary movie. And if it is, it doesn't achieve that. But I also don't think that that's what he was trying to do. I think he wanted to tell 
a bit of like this fun uh, mystery type of movie. And that's what he did. Oh, fair enough. While you guys were watching last night in Soho, mm-hmm. I ended up watching uh, Joachim Trier's, or Joachim Trier's uh, The Worst Person in the World, mm-hmm. which is a uh, Norwegian film um, that I had a lot of fun with. And this is a film that um, I think Renate... Oh man, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Renate Renziv, she plays the lead character in the film. Uh, she won Best Actress at Cannes. And um, uh, this film, the best way I can really describe it is if you're watching a Noah Baumbach movie and a Greta Gerwig film, this is the, um, the international version mm-hmm. of this of a Noah Baumbach film. Um, and it's a coming-of-age story about like a young 20-something uh, played by Renate um, uh, who goes through life. And she is literally lost in what she wants to do who she wants to be and her identity. Like, where is she at this point in time? And she gets stuck between a rock and a hard place um, romantically between two different men. And uh, the way it plays out is very interesting, very honest. And I think it puts a fun spin on kind of the romantic tropes. Um, It kind of feels like it's, it's a romance film disguise. uh, Sorry. It's not a romance film. And like this emotional coming of age drama disguised as a romance film. Um, and I think that uh, Renate was phenomenal in this film. And I enjoyed it. It was really, really funny. It was really, really heartbreaking. Um, and there was a lot of uh, uh, emotional weight to it than I thought. Um, and I've seen uh, Joachim Trier's works before. Um, and like, I think he did like a horror supernatural film called Thelma. And this is kind of the last part of his Oslo trilogy, which takes place in uh, Oslo. Right. Yeah. Um, about these young 20 something. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite films of the year. Um, and Renate, by the way, looks exactly like Dakota Johnson if she was Norwegian. Interesting. And all I saw was Dakota Johnson. The doppelganger. So, exactly. Right. So, yeah, um, I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. Um, yeah, that was the worst person in the world. Uh Rod, I think we watch a little bit more. I know now we're venturing into the back half of the festival. Yeah, so let right? me give you we're, three three quick movies that I saw. Thumbs yes. up, thumbs down, and then maybe you can do the same. Sure. Um, I saw uh, a couple of documentaries. I saw Attica, which is uh, by Stanley Nelson. It is. It looks at, at the Attica Correctional Facility in 1971. Big um, uprising in in the prison. They end up taking staff as hostages. And what they were trying to do is is make substantive changes to the way that they were treated and sort of like the the racial discrimination and, and the power dynamics that take place inside um, inside uh, prisons, right? And it's been fifty years, and sort of a lot of what is tackled by this documentary is still incredibly relevant. It is, I think, the the bloodiest one day clash on American soil oh, shoot. since the yeah. Civil War. It is uh, an incredible movie. I would definitely recommend if you get the chance to watch this when it becomes available to you. Um, I also saw Night Raiders. It was uh, a bit of a sci-fi uh, film by a Canadian, Danny da- Dennis Goulet. Like. Goulet and um you know, if you are not from Canada, you may not be aware that we are kind of in the middle of a reckoning of sort of the the mistreatment of indigenous people that this country has kind of built its structures upon. And this is a continuation of that theme. It is executive produced by Taika Waititi. 
It is. Uh, oh, hey! It is a, a, a fun movie. I think the third act did not end up working for me as well, but the setup and the premise of it reminded me a lot of Children of Men, of uh, like Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, like dealing with a new reality in which, um, like that you may imagine, seem crazy, but then you realize that all this is kind of rooted in our own history, and so you can't yeah. kind of. Uh, take away that context right so i think that was like an important film um i, I the ending to me felt a little bit like a, a a young adult kind of hunger games or divergent kind of thing and and i felt like it was much more interesting when it was living in kind of that children of men handmaid's tale kind of universe so uh i kind of wish it would take in a different direction there but still worth i think uh checking out and then lastly i saw a movie called wildhood it is by Breton Hannum, and it is a, a, a queer indigenous Canadian movie. So it was like, yeah, definitely checking this one out. I think this one was was good. It 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 has a, a young uh, Mi'kmaq teenager named Link. He is two spirit, and he kind of uh, takes his brother on a journey, escaping their their abusive father, where he ends up uh, meeting uh, a teen drifter called Pasme, who who's also, I guess, Mi'kmaq and kind of helps um, Link embrace his, his indigenous roots and sort of find uh, the, their journey of, of growing up and finding community and family. And yeah, it, it was uh, beautifully filmed. Uh, you know, Canada, the, the nature of Canada, I think, is is incomparable. To, underrated. Underrated, right? So they were able to embrace that. Um Perhaps there were, there are moments where it could have been stronger, but also I would recommend this film. So that's kind of what I saw. I saw, I've seen some other ones, but maybe you can tell me what you've been watching out sure, there. Sure, yeah. Um, I ended up watching Rob Savage's Dash Cam, mm-hmm. uh, which was part of the Midnight Madness. Um, and this movie was like apeshit crazy. I think what, uh, my my original rating for it was like two stars or whatnot. But the more I think about it, I feel like this film was just so fun, mm-hmm. right? It, um, it, it's uh, found footage, but through the lens of a live stream. So the way the, the screen is set up is that you'll have people commenting at the bottom about what the hell is happening, which is hilarious. Um, and it just follows this like uh, very unlikable lead character. Who's uh, part of a band and like a, a rapper. And she goes on to um, do a live stream and she goes around town with her friend stretch um, and a lot of crazy stuff happens. There's like, I don't want to spoil it because a lot of the unexpectedness is totally part of the fun, but this movie just keeps moving and moving and moving and moving. And it gets, it like escalates even more and more and more with only two characters, the stuff that they get into get worse and worse and worse. And it's hilarious, hilarious, um, uh, uh, very lightly creepy, but I think this is just batshit insane. So this was pretty fun uh, uh, to watch. And uh, I can't imagine how it would be like, um, in the theater at a, a packed house midnight screening, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also ended up watching um, Stephen Karam's *The Humans*, which which is with uh, uh, adaptation of his own play mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Stephen Yuen, Beanie, and uh, Richard Jenkins. I, I mean, again, oh, and a and, not, and a, an amazing um, Amy Schumer. Not to correct too much here, but it's Yun. This entire episode is you correct, <laughs> which is fine. Um, I enjoy this. Um, uh, I kind of likened it back to the father uh, last year by Florian Zeller. Florian Zeller's the father, though. I found it to be a real, real gut punch and probably and my favorite, favorite film of last year. This one is a little bit more uh, nuanced and I didn't feel it as much um, emotionally, but 
I think I have to give props here to the production design, the sound design too. It felt like a horror movie at times Mm -hmm. about this family gathering for Thanksgiving. And then a lot of their emotional states and their anxieties get fleshed out. Um, uh, This was a great film. Um, So give that a shot, right? If you're a fan of these actors and uh, Amy Schumer, great highlight in this film, I think. Um, Now, what else did I see? I saw... Oh my gosh, I saw Jake Gyllenhaal's The Guilty. The Guilty. <laughs> I feel guilty for watching this. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't like it. it. It's a remake of the Danish film called The Guilty, mm-hmm. which takes place uh, at a um, uh, 911 operation center where they get the calls. And Jake Gyllenhaal is just here, freaking out half the time. Um, oddly written by true detective scribe Nick Pizzolatto. Um, this film did not work for me. Jake is great, but I feel like, why am I watching this? If I know everything, it's a shot by shot remake of the original and the original had so much more. And I think the tension was there and maybe it's because I know Jake, it distracted me from the actual heart of the movie. So, um, uh, not the best, but I guess that's coming out on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to though, to the rescue, Mm -hmm. uh, by Jimmy Chin, which, uh, we both watched. Rod, which is um, the documentary regarding the cave divers um, back in uh, Thailand. Um, this was an insane documentary. He did free. They, um, the directors also did free solo. And this was a pretty tense documentary, which we also enjoyed. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of our, I mean, we watch some other films as well, yeah. but we wanted to just talk about some of these ones. I don't know, Rod, what are you saying? Yeah. I guess if I could recommend a one last one is go watch uh flea, which is a, a, a Oh, right. Oh my gosh. Uh, an interesting, unique wow. film, uh, animation meets documentary. Yeah. Go check it out. It's a very, uh, important and unique story. Yeah. And I think flea is also going to be a, a major players in, in the Oscars. Oops. In the Oscar game. But I, I guess that would, that, you know, we were here on the floor at TIFF and we looked at a ton of films between uh, Rod and I and also some of our um, team members here mm-hmm. at Laird Butter. Um, and if you guys haven't checked it out already, we have a complimentary issue, right? Um, uh, pay what you can, uh, support us as well. Uh, but we have some of our reviews there. You can check us out on LairdButter.com. But before we go, I guess I wanted to just mention a couple of things. Oscar season's coming up, right? And I know we're going to get into it later down in the podcast with some future episodes, but TIFF was the beginning of Oscar season, mm-hmm. if not can or Venice, but there are now major features coming up up there. And, you know, Rod, if I were to ask you, what would be your take of the films you've seen so far to make the biggest splash in the Oscar season? I, and, and you could also say Belfast. Cause I know you yeah. both haven't seen it. Yeah, I definitely think Belfast, like, unfortunately, Belfast was one of these movies that did not offer a wide variety of, like, digital options. And a lot of the the in-person options were kind of scooped up really fast. Like, I think everybody knew going in that this was going to be uh, a bit of a, an oxygen-stealing film. Um, so, Ooh, oxygen-stealing. Yeah, I think it, it was... Uh, it, it, I, if I had to lean towards one that is going to make a big splash, it would be that one. I think, uh, other than that, I, I can see some strength in something like Larraine getting Best Direction and Kristen Stewart getting sure. uh, a Best uh, Actress nom for her work in Spencer. I think A Hero is probably going to get nominated. I don't know if it will win. 
Um, oh, no. Yeah, and then I think that those were the main ones that stand out in terms of like award recognition. I think like the documentaries, we have some strong contenders here. I think with between Flea, probably the Rescue. <laughs> I think Flea's like, got a take couple it of for options sure, there, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. What about you? Do you feel anything that I missed there? Anything that you want to add? I mean, you know, there's a lot of um, late players in the game. Like King Richard hasn't come out mm-hmm. yet. I know. I think it went out the Telluride. And um, that's a Will Smith drama yeah. regarding the Venus, uh, uh, Venus and Serena Williams, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, I can't um, imagine that uh, licorice pizza is not going to be. Come on, please! Right? I was I was saving that for the end. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's licorice pizza, I think, is going to be a harken back to his old roots in Magnolia and mm. also Boogie Nights. Um, I hope that it makes a splash. I I hope PTA gets a nomination for best director. Some of his films are really not that accessible, right? And they're a bit difficult for the main crowd, but I think it's going to make a splash. One late player in the game, for sure, though, I think it's going to be Adam McKay's Don't Look Up, which is that all-star cast with Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and uh, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill. Yeah, Ariana Grande and um, Kid Cudi Mm -hmm. as well, which is like a semi-dark comedy about like an asteroid heading to to Earth to destroy it. I think that might be a, a late, dark horse but i i do agree with you i think belfast is pretty much gonna be kind of the roma mm-hmm. or the um uh the big green book win right where a lot of people are gonna be like oh it's good it's okay right and then you know we're gonna see some of these films get shut out but um yeah i think i think uh there's a couple like the uh, tragedy of macbeth right is also coming out soon with the coens i think it's just but- the one coen you're right. Yes, Joel is doing this, and Ethan said, "Nah." Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, there's a, a couple of late players in the game, yeah. but we'll, we'll check that out. I'm guessing out. might might be in the. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I know, mean, that accent. I, I've work. heard. I, I've heard a couple of things about uh, the last duel and House of Gucci, which are both really Scott films, mm-hmm. and I'm cheering for Jodie Comer to get a nomination, yeah. um, uh, and Adam Driver as always, but I'm also worried that. He's going to cancel the votes out mm-hmm. by having two films in contention. Yeah. So I think Belfast, Licorice Pizza. But yeah, I feel I like Dune seems to me like the Black Panther tech, kind tech of thing. Like, I think it will yeah. get a Best Picture nom without any serious possibility mm. of winning the award. Just kind of an acknowledgement that, like, yeah, we see you more mainstream yeah. movies. We, you, know? you, you existed. Yeah. yeah. This big budget epic, right? I understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, Del Toro's Nightmare Alley is also coming up in December. Oh, I have right? no info Which on I that think... one. You didn't see the trailer? No. Buddy, shot in Toronto. Yeah, I can imagine. Mr. Del Toro is a, <laughs> a, a, a temporary, if not permanent, resident of our city. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Nightmare Alley is coming out. And we also got, um, what's it called? Steven Spielberg West Side Story. <laughs> and um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Right with Andrew Garfield. So yeah, there's a couple um, that are out there. Um, let's see how they all stand against Tiff's films. Um, but I think Belfast having, is the one to be. having not seen this movie, I think um, I, I, this is I, terrible. I will what ask if it's absolutely you, no, no, horrible. I'm going I'm <laughs> to bring up a movie. Do you think that right. a hero will beat Parallel Mothers? Having I guess not seen Parallel Mothers. Man, you know what, pa- Pedro? I I don't know if Pedro has won Best International um, Film. Why do I feel like he should have by now? Did he not win but, for this movie that everybody loves? Which is not my which favorite. Um, oh my god. Volver? No, no, no. Volver is my favorite. Uh, the the, oh, the more um, biogra- autobiographical one. No, you're not, you're not talking about Pain and Glory. Pain and Glory, yes. No, he didn't win. Well, if that, he didn't win with that one, then I feel like that's probably that was probably his best shot. 
Maybe. I don't know. Parallel Mothers is getting a lot of buzz too mm-hmm. from Penelope Cruz. So she might make an impact somewhere down the line. Um, but uh, I totally forgot he had a film. And I think that's. I'm excited uh, for Oscar it. Oscar Farhadi has got his money, um, uh, you know, uh, his work cut out for him. So I'm excited. Oh, I- all about my mother. That's the one you're talking about. Yes. No, no, no. no. I, I meant Painted all- Glory, but I think that's also like another good one that he had, right? Yeah. So fingers crossed that Asgar could uh, barge in there for the fifth director spot maybe Joachim Trier for worst person in the world hopefully uh Julia Durkanow <laughs> can get one for Titan but let's see what happens in the near future but um he did I don't know he, did, I, he won for all about my mother he won for talk to her he got nominated twice for pain and glory wait, he won the Oscar I don't know if him or the movie but he has two uh wins the Academy Awards wow yeah well good for him <laughs> Oh yeah, you're right. He, he has he has two Oscars already. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's give it to um, Julia Drakenau then, right? <laughs> let's see what happens. Let's pronounce her name uh, right first, and then we can give her an award. Oh, fire! <laughs> um, I, I guess that's it, Rod. You got anything else to say before we wrap this up? You think? No, I had a lovely, lovely experience going to TIFF and watching movies with yes. you. I think uh, I missed that. Yeah, I know, 100. percent I know we're gonna see No Time to Die soon. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, uh, thank you guys for always listening. Uh, we'll be back soon, hopefully. And, uh, we'll chat about all our favorite movies when everything gets back to normal. So don't forget to check us out on layeredbutter.com slash tiff. Uh, check out our reviews uh, slash tiff. La- Layeredbutter.com no, slash tiff. It does. I just typed it in. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, don't forget, um, to check us out in our reviews and we'll, we'll see you guys around. Bye. 